Hi there, I'm Richard. I'm the senior pastor of Every Nation Auckland City. We are a multicultural, multi-generational, socially responsible church that makes disciples. We hope this message inspires you to honor God and make disciples. Well, um, I'm going to be carrying on the, the sermon series. How many of us have been here the last few weeks? Show of hands. Last few weeks. So we've been preaching core values. Um, core values is basically the, the five things, one, two, three, four, five things that this church consider as pillars of our church. Thank you so much. Isn't she amazing? Thank you. Thank you, Christine. The five pillars of our church, this is what we consider as the most important things that this church stands by. You know, every organization needs a vision, a mission, and every organization needs core values. You know, because how many of us know life can get difficult? How many of us know that the economy can turn around? How many of us know that your plans can change? What happens when things change? What happens when things rock you to the core? Your pillars, whether you have values for yourself in your life, whether you have values as a family, these are the things that will steer you in the right direction. And as a church, we subscribe to this, these five core values, lordship, evangelism, discipleship, leadership development, and spiritual family. And today I have the privilege of talking about spiritual family, and our senior pastors, Chrissy and uh, Richard, are in Hamilton with our Every Nation Hamilton family, and they send you your, their greetings. And as I was preparing for this, I remember Pastor Richard um, said, hey, I'd love to you to preach on spiritual family. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> he gives me the most difficult ones, right? Dealing with offenses, tithing and giving. And now spiritual family. I love my pastor. <laughs> so let's, let me pray as I get into the word this morning. Father, we thank you so much, our God, that you are God and we are not. God, we thank you for your word that you left with us to guide us, to lead us, to help us know how to live our lives. And even this morning as we look into your word and what the Bible says about core values, about spiritual family, Lord, would you help us, Lord, that this word will not return to you void, that this word will indeed be one that will convict us, that will strengthen us, that will result in transformation, that as I preach and teach, that this won't just be some nice information that you can get from anywhere on the internet, but indeed it will be something that will be relevant to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Alfred, tag team here, right? We're going to do some timing thing. Let's throw up the first slide. Everybody look at that word, car, and imagine in your head, all right? Imagine in your head what that would look like, all right? You got that picture in your head? All the dudes have their Lamborghinis and all the, you know, I mean, some, some ladies love nice cars too. Who, which ladies love some nice cars? Yeah, 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 three of you. 
Okay, so are we ready? You've got that image in your head of what the car looks like? Three, two, one, Alfred. Did it look like this? How many of us had cars that in your head looks like this? It's okay, I mean, it's okay to admit it. No one? Oh, driven. All right. We just talked about budgeting on Thursday night. <laughs> okay, next, next slide. House. How many of us uh, have an image of a house in their mind of what your, your ideal house would look like? Yeah, Josh has a, has a nice picture, Josh D. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, got it. Three, two, one. Tiny home. <laughs> Tiny home. It's kind of like, you know, in Auckland, prices are a little bit steep. It's coming down, though, so, you know, for those of you that have been saving for a while. Next one, food. Okay? All right? Are you guys getting hungry? I know I'm standing between you and your lunch, but please bear with me. All right? Are we ready? You got food in your head, in your minds? Picture your, yeah? Okay. Three, two, one. Man, a few years ago, I was doing campus ministry, right? And there, there was this, this guy called Billy, big Tongan guy. He's, he's a bodybuilder, right? And then he had this massive Sistema box that he brings to campus and we would do Bible studies. And I was like, man, there must be some nice food in there. And then he opens it as we have lunch together and it's, it looks like this. I was like, oh, you got to enjoy your food, man, honestly. Okay, next slide. What comes to mind? This word is such a word that's filled with so many different types of definitions, so many types of experiences. Next slide. Some of you have an image of beautiful family with a nice, gentle, soft music playing, slow motion running on the beach together, hands held together. I mean, that's like a family portrait, right? For some of you, maybe next slide. That is your experience of family. I have a friend that grew up all his life. He was abandoned. You know, I know of and read of young people that live in foster families. They go from family to family to family to family. Nobody wants them. So when a person sees this word and we speak of the fact that this is our core value at every nation, Auckland City, that is spiritual family. Can you imagine that everyone has a slightly different interpretation of what this family looks like? Even if Pastor Richard and Chrissy and myself and the leaders and elders have a specific understanding of what we mean when we say this, but it's such a word fraught with potential for misinterpretation and wrong expectations. If you've hung around me for a while, you would have heard me say, life is all about expectations. You set your expectations, you live by it, you manage it, and you adjust it as it doesn't work. The only way and reason why someone would ever be disappointed is because they have expectations that were unmet. So when we preach about a core value called spiritual family, a word that is so fraught with different interpretations, how? Can we manage the expectations and set the right expectation and proceed together? And my attempt this morning is to be able to set the expectations with all of us. You know, the dictionary says this about the word family. 
It says it's a group of one or more parents and their children living together as a unit. You know, in society today, uh, the word family unit, the natural family unit, can be so different. It could be a single parent family, father and children, child, mother and children, child, father and mother, children. My niece has a friend who has two mothers, not step, two mothers. There was a wedding involved. I know some people with two fathers with a wedding involved. There's so many different types of definition. There's blended family with step-half siblings. There's foster families. There's adopted families. What is your version of a family as we speak about spiritual family? So spiritual family, uh, I want to set the tone by saying that spiritual family comes from the image of God. Imago Dei. Everyone say Imago. Say Imago Dei. Imago Dei basically is a word to describe the image of God. When you think of Father God, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, the very first unit, the very first connect group, the very first community. And when you think about Mary as the human agent that carried Jesus, that gave birth to Jesus naturally, that's a vision of family. When you think about the very first human beings, Adam and Eve, God didn't create Adam and Eve and devise a way for new humans to pop out out of the tree or to pop out out of thin air. God designed Adam and Eve to have children. Some might say, well, no, children came as a result of the fall, right? You go Genesis chapter 3, Cain and Abel came after that. No, that's, that's incorrect theology. The pain of childbirth came after the fall. It was always God's plan that this world is filled with families. For procreation, God said, go and multiply. You know, I know every nation, Hamilton, I was talking to Alfred Mabasa last week. He hung out at our house. He goes, you know, we're, we're multiplying. We're making disciples, having babies. The last three months, there's been babies born. Over there, apparently, if you join the ENK ministry, you'll get pregnant, you know. <laughs> so many of the, the mothers there are pregnant. Abraham, the father to the nations, at age 100, you know, his wife Sarah gave birth to Isaac. Without Isaac, there wouldn't have been a Jacob, Israel, 12 tribes, Jesus, us. You know, God's idea is family. Right from the image of God, the very first human, the father of the nations, we see the form and the image of family. So going to Romans, New Testament, chapter 8, and I'm not going to touch on Romans 8.28, which is a famous verse. I want to start from Romans chapter 8, verse 15, but touching first on Romans chapter 8, verse 1. This chapter begins, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Everyone say in. When you say that you're in something, that you're part of something, when you're in Christ Jesus, it means that you're connected to Christ. How so? Fast forward to Romans chapter 8, verse 15. It says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified in Him. Jesus, did you get Paul to write the word suffering in there? Really? Did Paul actually say that if we're in Christ, not only is there no condemnation, that when we are in Christ, we are co-heirs with Christ. If you understand what being a, the, what heirloom is, what inheritance is, you would know that a parent passes on, whether it be wealth, values, material goods, they pass on the inheritance to the next generation, to their children, and many of you would be doing that. That's why you're here. A lot of you are immigrants. Here for a better life. Here for your children. Here for the future. Those of you that have been born in New Zealand and you've lived all your lives in New Zealand, you want to make this country a better place. That Aotearoa, going into the next 10, 15, 20 years, begins to thrive again. You want to leave a nation that is in a better place than when you found it. Right? So, when it says here that we are fellow heirs with Christ, what a privilege that Jesus is the Son of God that he should inherit the kingdom of God and everything attached to it, and yet we share in that inheritance. How many of us think that's amazing this morning? How many of you think that it's incredible that God treats you as an heir? That when you pray that prayer to become a Christian, it's not just a life with a bed of roses and a free ticket in your back pocket to go to heaven. As an heir, there are responsibilities. Some of us in our culture, there's re different responsibilities. If you're the oldest child, oldest son, oldest daughter, there are responsibilities. What comes with family comes responsibility. And of course, some of us li are living with regret that we've not fulfilled those responsibilities. But guess what? There's good news. Check your pulses. You're still alive. You can make amends. Today and tomorrow will be a better day. That we can start taking responsibility, not only for our natural family, but for our spiritual family that God has plugged us into. If you are a Christian today, the good news is that you're part of the family of God. Amen? Adoption. What does that mean? This passage talks about the fact that we're adopted as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, that the Spirit enables us to call God our Father. 
The dictionary says it's the action or fact of legally taking another's child and bringing it up as one's own. That God, the Father, brings you up as His own. There's a legal transfer in adoption. And you see, there's a word in Christianity called justification. Everybody say this. Say justification. It's a good word. And we should praise God for that word. Some commentators say that it sounds like just as if you did not sin. Justification. That what it is is an analogy of a courtroom situation where a judge goes up and reads out the sentence of those that have been accused of a crime. Imagine this. The judge is sitting in the judge's um, thing, drone thing. (laughs) I don't know what the official word is. And then... Over here, you've got the police surrounding the accused. You've got the lawyers. You've got the, the one for the accused and the one, the prosecutor. And the court case goes on, and they read out your crimes. Greed, jealousy, unforgiveness, hatred, lust. The list goes on. And as the judge begins to come to his deliberation, and the judge goes, We young you. Then I stand up, look at the judge. And as he begins to get to the point where he tells me what my sentence is, there's a knock on the door, and he looks up to the back of the door. And the door opens. And then you got the, like, you know, country western music, you know, the, the showdown. In walks Jesus. Stop. Stop. He walks up to the judge, whispers to the judge. There's an exchange going on, and the judge goes. And then Jesus says, and then the judge then goes, We on you, I hereby sentence you to life. But this man, Jesus, my son, has chosen to take on your sentence. You are free to go. That, my friends, is justification. Justification is not saying God forgot about the sin. It's not even that God says, oh, don't worry about it. It's all good, you know? Don't worry. Next time. Justification means the full weight and punishment and consequences of the sin of the offending party is fully, fully meted out And justice is fully achieved, but not received by the person that caused the offense. That is justification. That, my friends, is what Jesus did for us. We get the great exchange, our sin for His righteousness. That the Bible says, He made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the 
righteousness of God. That you, when God sees you, He says, Paul, you are my righteousness. He says, Christine, you are my righteousness. When you walk into a room where you have your time with God and you feel guilty because you felt that you've let Him down for the 400th time and you, your head hangs low and you're like, I'm so sorry, God, that I've let you down again. And God says, you are my righteousness because Jesus, because Jesus, because my son Jesus and so this legal action of being taken into one's family starts with justification. When we repent and we submit ourselves to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive His righteousness in exchange for our sins. We are declared free to go because of the legal consequences of our sin that has been paid for. That, as the Apostle Paul says, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. See, God has redeemed you and I and adopted us into his family. Amen? Amen. And to, today, after the service, if you want to hang around, we've got two amazing people getting baptized. And baptism happens after salvation, but these people are declaring publicly their allegiance to their God. They're publicly declaring that I am a child of God, that I've been adopted into his family, they're declaring something that has already happened. But what a beautiful thing, one of my best moments in church life for me. Amen? So once we're adopted into God's kingdom because of justification, then what does that look like? Is it some global kind of ethereal kind of like, I'm part of God's kingdom, I'm just kind of like, you know, there's no physical manifestation of it, I'm just... I've got a ticket to heaven? No. You see, the local church is God's expression of God's family. Because we're plugged into God's family, but the local expression that we plug into is a local church. The question is, which local church? How do we choose the local church that we're part of? Some of you are part of every nation, Auckland City, and it's such a privilege for us to consider you a spiritual family. Some of you are visiting, so praise God. I pray that you'll find your spiritual family. How do we choose our spiritual family? You know, society today is filled with so much choice. You think about buying a phone. How many brands are there? Finding a car, finding a house. There's so much choice. And I was reading in this book recently called The Reciprocal Church. And this, this quote that I want to read out to you, next slide, and it's by Sharon Galgay Ketchum, a pastor in America. It says, the, the title says, Reciprocal Church Becoming a Community Where Faith Flourishes Beyond High School. And he says this, see, when satisfaction is the basis of community, personal choice often trumps long-standing commitment. Self and personal needs become the center and determining factor for community. Does this sound familiar? If the church doesn't meet my or my family's needs, we find another community. This is not a declaration that people are selfish by intent, but a recognition that people in our churches, us, understand community as voluntary, 
and this shaped our way of being together in our churches. Ouch. About a month ago, one of our spiritual family members from Hawaii, Pastor Billy Lai, came and he preached. Not specifically about this topic, but there was one thing he said that caught my attention and it hasn't left me. As a side comment, he said, I did not choose which family I was born into. In the same way, I did not choose which spiritual family I was born into. It made me think. When we're looking for a local church and family to be part of, we have criteria and lists and things. But the most important thing is that we ask God which family we're to be connected with. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. Who chose? God chose. The biblical pattern is different from the world's pattern. Straight after this church, you go for lunch. You have choices. People go from job to job. You know? No criticism here, right? But we need to look at spiritual family differently with different eyes because the Bible is teaching this stuff. It's not Pastor Richard's opinion. Matthew chapter 12 says this. There was a scene where Jesus' disciples comes to him and says, Jesus, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. And he replies to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hands towards his disciples. His disciples. He said, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother, spiritual family. Jesus himself declares that this is the criteria of being part of a spiritual family of God. What a, okay, there's another whole four-part sermon series about discerning the will of God. Let me summarize it for you. What do you think God's will is? A will is something that someone desires. It's already abundantly clear in the Bible. The great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. What is the will of our Father? Perhaps... Knowing the will of the Father means that we need to ask. Have you asked God which spiritual family He has called you to be plugged into? When things become uncomfortable, when the ministry and the service does not meet your needs anymore, do you ask God, do I ask God, have you called me here? When your mom's cooking is not so nice, do you choose another spiritual family or natural family, sorry? (laughs) intended slip. (laughs) When we discern which local family we're supposed to be part of, we should seek God's will as children of God. We should ask Him. It's not so mystical. Until God tells you to go somewhere else, no matter how difficult it is here, 
You're part of this family. What do you bring to the table? You see, if you're a guest at a restaurant, you get served, right? I don't like the service. Where's the manager? Huh? Where's the manager? Supervisor. Complaint form online, you know, hospitality, right? My steak was cold. <laughs> Sorry, I'm getting a bit naughty. I've been hanging around Pastor Richard too much. You see, a healthy spiritual family, I want to give you a very simple acronym, right? Everybody say CARE. CARE. C-A-R-E, right? Number one. A healthy spiritual family looks like this if you are discerning God's will, whether He's called you here. Number one, look for a church that is Christ-centered. Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22, it says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place by the God, the Spirit of God. christ center number two, it's filled with and demonstrates agape love. Agape love is the fatherly love of God for his humans for his creation, and as well as it is the reciprocal love that humans demonstrate towards God. That when we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, the overflow of that will help us to love others. That agape love overlooks an offense. That agape love chooses to think the best. Agape love chooses to forgive. Agape love chooses to put our hand up to serve when we feel like things aren't going so well. Thirdly, R, reciprocal. Reciprocal just plainly means it's of an agreement where it binds two parties equally. It goes both ways. You receive and you contribute. A great spiritual family goes two ways. We bring something to the table. You see, contribution brings ownership, and ownership strengthens our commitment towards each other. When we speak about our church, we don't say, oh, they don't do this, or they, it's we. We. You're part of the church, if that's your spiritual family. Our language needs to change. We don't reach out to the community, not they don't reach out to the community. We don't have enough a, B, and C, not they don't do this in the youth fellowship. Does our language res, res, uh, reflect our hearts? And finally, E is endures. 1 Corinthians 13. I love, I love, love, love the New King James Version of this. It says, love suffers long. Love is patient. Love suffers long. <laughs> it endures. It endures, my friends. Care. That's what a good spiritual family looks like. In my remaining three minutes, 37 seconds, I've gone too long in my last few sermons, so I've been... Uh, 
reminded, you know, it's a privilege that I can call you my spiritual family. And some of you, maybe not for long because God has called you elsewhere, bless you. Please find a good spiritual family. We would love to help you find another spiritual family. Talk to your connect group leaders. Talk to your leaders. We want to pray a blessing and honor you as you go. But if God has called you to be part of this spiritual family, what an honor that we have people from all walks of life, different cultures, different backgrounds, different definition of family, that we have come together and made a commitment to make this work, not only for our own goods to be a holy huddle, but so that the world may know that we are His disciples, that when people come past you in a connect group at McDonald's, they hear and experience the love of God. They go, I wish I was part of something like this. That when you go to work, your friends know that you're struggling with certain things and they are equally struggling with the finances and the economy and they hear, wait, what? You seem pretty relaxed and at peace. Why is that? They become curious and you go, you know what? My connect group has given me everything I need for my new house. People do that? Why? When you're sick in a hospital, not only just the pastors and elders visit you, your church family visits you. When your friends and spiritual family in church are unwell, they're in need, you're there right by their side. That's what spiritual family is. Because as we do family well, all the other core values, lordship, evangelism, discipleship, spiritual leadership, all of those things will begin to fall into place. Because as the people and children of God, the family of God, others that don't yet know Christ will be attracted by the love of God through these human agents. Amen? Let us pray. Let's close our eyes for a moment of privacy for ourselves and our neighbors. As I always say, it's good to have a moment to process what we've just heard. Just take about 30 seconds to think about something that stood out for you from the Word today. Right, with eyes closed, heads bowed, no one looking around, I want to pray for two groups of people. Firstly, if you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus, He's your Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. If you are a Christian and today you realize, wow, I've not, I've not really understood what the spiritual family value means, I've forgotten what it means to be God, part of God's family. 
Maybe some of you are wavering, you're disappointed, or you've been hurt by people in this spiritual family, and you're teetering on the edge and about to move. Or perhaps you've been inspired to do family better, as the Bible teaches us how to do family. Regardless of what it is for you, if, you, if something in this sermon today has prompted you to make a change with regards to spiritual family. To either lean in more, or to move out, or to understand it deeper. I don't need to know what it is, but something has caught your attention. I want to pray for you if you're a Christian. Something's caught you from this sermon today. On the count of three, would you put your hand up? One, two, three. All right, hands from the front to the back. If that is you, no, don't want to embarrass you. No one's looking around. Lord, you see these hands. My brothers and sisters here, they are saying that they want to do spiritual family differently. And you know exactly what's going on in their hearts, Lord. Would you help them today? Would you speak to them? Would your Holy Spirit show them the way that you not only speak to them personally, but through your word to help them lean into spiritual family so that we can collectively as a family be a blessing to this community that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. I still close for a moment. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, or perhaps you once walked with Jesus, and for some reason, you've walked away. Maybe you've been hurt by a spiritual family, and you've walked away from God because of that. But today, something in the experience and gathering today from the worship to the word, something is calling your heart to come back or come to Him for the first time. You're wanting to take the next step to follow God and become a Christian. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to pray for you from the stage to become a Christian, but I want to pray for you if you want to take a step towards God. I want to pray for you that God will help you take that step. If that is you, not a Christian, but wanting to take the next step to come to Him or to come back to Him, on the count of three, would you put your hand up? No one's looking around. One, two, three. Coming to Him or coming back to Him? Just looking around. All right. All right. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for your sacrifice. That through your blood, we are adopted to the family of God. And as we go, may we be the best ambassadors of your family that we can be at our workplace, at our schools, at our universities, in our communities, at the supermarkets, at the petrol station, wherever we go, may we be your ambassadors. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. To know more about Every Nation Auckland City, you can visit our website at www 
www.everynationauckland.city. For more messages like this, you can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts.